coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Very pleasant greeting, and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. On once again, a Saturday morning, bright and early, Luke Ned Carney, along with Alex Thompson, and we are The Right Hash, bringing you yet another episode, football-packed episode, a little, uh, little bit of a lull in the playoffs here with the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals being still eight days away as of this recording. Pro Bowl coming up this weekend, uh, still lots of anticipation, all the media day. Um, we've already seen what uniforms the teams are going to wear. Um, Alex, I think this this is going to be a great uniform matchup. Everyone got what they wanted with the Rams, being able to wear the white instead of those like dishwater gray uniforms. Yeah, those. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's okay that it, they're okay jerseys, but it, you, you know what we're here to look at when we look at the Rams. I like all the Bengals uniforms, so I, I'm okay with whatever they wear. The Rams got to wear that blue. Yeah, yeah, Bengals designated as the home team. Uh, they'll be wearing the color. But Rams, if, you, if you're a Rams fan, you'll remember that that one-yard short Super Bowl where you beat the Titans. This is the uniform combo that you wore. So so if you're superstitious at all like that, um, then you, uh, you, you kind of have that going for you if you're a Rams fan. Um, but, th- I mean, a little bit of old hat now since they were a week ago, but those games last week were, were both really great. Yeah, man, it feels like they happened a year ago. Um, it was uh, a, a, a little bit of a just a, a wishy-washy game, I would say, between the Rams and the 49ers. It just felt like both teams had a half of football that they were better than the other team. Um, I guess you could almost say the same thing for the Cincinnati KC game. Um, I'm just really impressed with how th- there were two or three times in that Kansas City a Bengals game where you just knew that Kansas City was going to win and go to the Super Bowl, and here we are, you know, Cincinnati's going to the Super Bowl still, somehow. Yeah, that's crazy, crazy to think about. Um, he Burrow really earned the nickname Joe Shiesty, I, I feel like. He, he cemented that this weekend. Yeah, he he's done a tremendous job, and I've heard uh, on some of the local radio stations they're, that they, they have this question that's kind of going around, like, which quarterback did you trust more, Joe Burrow or Matt Stafford? And I think that's a really dumb question. Matt Stafford has a proven history of losing. Joe Burrow won a national title the last time he actually ended a season. So um, I, I maybe that's just me. I trust Joe Burrow a lot more, but I trust Matt Stafford's all-star roster that's around him a little bit more than I do the Cincinnati Bengals roster. Did you see the, the meme that was like, it was like the guy in the hospital with a Browns hat. And he's like, it's like, you've been in a coma for nine or since week nine. Uh, who, like, oh, I can't wait to watch the Super Bowl. Who, do you know who made the Super Bowl? And the, the nurse says like, oh, yeah, a team from Ohio and Odell Beckham Jr. And the guy's like, oh, I can't wait to watch my Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, the funniest yeah. thing I saw on the Internet this past week. That's uh. Yeah, that that, that is that is kind of wild. And uh, as if the Browns needed any more reason for people to make fun of them. 
Uh, my I, my favorite meme from it probably was when Odell Beckham went over to the bench uh, to kind of like console Devo Samuel, and someone put the caption, uh, "Just tell your dad to hop on Instagram." Um, <laughs> That's a good one too. I, or saying I, 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 that I thought it was so good. Or people awarding Odell Beckham Senior Coach of the Year <laughs> or Executive hey. of the Year. <laughs> Dude, for for real, for real, yeah, honestly. No joke. Um, no joke. But the maybe it's a real way to. to it's a real way to grease the wheels. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad we, we were able to organically kind of bring up the Browns because it's a segue into our, our first topic today. And unless you live under a rock, you now know that the Washington football team is no longer the Washington football team. They're still a football team that represents Washington, but they are now the Washington Commanders. And one of the things that I've been saying this whole time to kind of also convince myself, but also you know kind of keep things in perspective is like, it's not that bad of a name. It, 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 we, I've known that this is going to be the name for a long time. They leaked it more or less already, basically with the, the website domain and, and whatever. So everyone knew this was going to be the name. Uh, the colors weren't going to change. But like, there's a team called the Browns. Like, there's a team called the Bills. Like, do you know anyone on this planet who likes paying bills? Like, that... Commanders is, it's a little bit arena-like. I, I can understand the whole, like, it feels like minor league or arena football. But in terms of just teams, names you can give a team, it's not that bad. Like, Browns, Bills, like, Commanders is above that, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's hard to say because, uh, like, I, I, I feel like there's a little bit more connection with those two teams and their names almost. Now, that that could be because they've been, you know, established and the commander's name has not yet been established. Um, but, you know, I, you, you, I feel like there is a history and a, a, a more well-thought-out reasoning behind those two names that you particularly brought up in comparison than, like, the generic create-a-team name from, like, NCAA 05. Um, I, I, I personally... Especially once I saw that like that crest that they made with the the three stars and the nineteen and the thirty two in the corners, you know, it had like that that the the four quadrants, it's that yeah. circle logo. As the soon badge. as I saw that, I was like, they should have just left it Washington football team. I would have been actually in love if that was a Washington football team logo because it reminds me of soccer so much, and I I like the way soccer does. Um, especially Premier League, I like the way they do some of their branding and and names. And I thought the football team had a great opportunity to just lean into that and be so unique. And then they just named themselves the Commanders. I thought it was an incredible letdown after two years, personally. Yeah, and you know, Washington football team was growing on a lot of people. Um, it was a kind of a common sentiment. And I think going to the playoffs one of the two years where they were the Washington football team kind of helped that. But that brings me to my next point a little bit in that people who hate Dan Snyder, which is most of the Redskins fan base, the commanders fan base, pretty much um, anyone really any warm blooded human being was yeah. going to react negatively to the name. And it really wasn't going to matter. It's only going to depend on team performance. Like if the team goes 13 and four this year and wins the NFC East and goes to the playoffs and wins a game and whatnot, like then people are going to be like, Oh, commanders was, is the, you know, the move, like go commanders, whatever. If they continue to be who they have always been, then yeah, people are going to you know pan the name change along with everything else. 
it, it's really no different than a lot of things that this organization does kind of on a regular basis. And, and this is also the case with with really a lot of name changes too. Like, well, I, I'm trying to think what the last team to like change just change their name was without moving cities in, in uh, professional Cle- sports. Cleveland Guardians, which yeah, was oh, worse, duh, in my opinion. of course. I think, yeah, I which think was, Cleveland Guardians is way worse than the Washington well, Commanders. And here's the, the difference between Guardians and what Washington did. Washington had a cooling off period. They didn't just choose a name yeah. like, kind of willy-nilly to replace their old name. They did Agreed. what the University of North Dakota did uh, a few years ago when North Dakota was forced to drop the fighting Sioux. They just became the University of North Dakota. They had no mascot for a couple of years. And, uh, and that kind of gave everybody a few years to like cool down, forget the old nickname, be rational and, you know, choose one, gave your marketing department ways to market it. And they eventually settled on fighting Hawks uh, after a while, which, which has stuck. Um, and the, the Cleveland Indians did not do that. And I think that is kind of one of the main catalysts behind the negative reaction to the guardians mascot. Yeah. I mean, that and the guardians is just kind of, I like guard, guarding what that's that, that that's that's not what you do in sports you don't I mean in basketball catch, I guess kind your of. catcher guards home plate that's about it <laughs> like I, I, I don't I don't understand that whatsoever maybe I just don't know Cleveland history enough maybe there is just a, a, a very obvious tie with that name in the city I don't know but well I think they do have like statues on a highway bridge called like the Guardians of Cleveland but that to me okay. is not enough to like that's not enough to name your baseball team after, in my opinion. Like I would, I would have named my team the LeBrons before I named them the, <laughs> the Guardians because I feel like he means more than whatever that is. But D- you know, despite the fact that he's a Yankees fan, <laughs> yeah, uh, t- today at least, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to the, you know, I, I'm not as, I, I guess, against or repulsed by the, the entire you know, Washington football team, for a lack of a better term, you know, brand transition. I really like the badge. I, I like the slightly redone new logo. Um, the only, I would say the only part of it that I really don't like is the black jersey and the helmet that goes with the black jersey. Personally, I, th- I think they they look horrible. They look like a, a middle schooler designed them, um, which Good thing is with those alternate jerseys, that's the easy one to swap in and out if they're bad. Um, I like the home and away uniforms. They look clean. I think we're going to really get used to them on the field after a year or two, and people are going to really like them. And I think that's probably going to be the same way with the commander's name. And I think you you hit the nail on the head. People are going to go along with the commander's name as far as winning goes. It's not going to look well look good if you have a name like commanders constantly finishing in last the same thing with like the giants the giants is such an oxymoron of what that franchise is because they're they're not they're not giant and i think the commanders are gonna you know be be in a similar position where when they're winning the name sounds big when they're losing the name sounds dumb yeah no no doubt i i i and that's we're we're definitely not the first people to like make that realization. No. Um, the the other thing with the logo, when they lose games, people are absolutely going to turn that W into an L and post Easily. it on the internet. Like that's yeah. like they're leaving themselves wide open for that. It's, 
<laughs> already happened. So I, yeah, <laughs> when they actually lose football games in the as the Commanders, uh, especially in that alternate jersey with the W right on the front of the helmet, uh, yeah, that's you, you've you have asked, you have invited memes constantly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like the black uh, helmet or uniform either. We 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 call that in in the business black for black's sake, meaning uh, black isn't one of your colors, but you yeah. design a black uniform because it's like a trend. And I I don't really love that the commanders are doing that. Um, but you know I'll, I'll live with it. We'll probably only see them once or twice a year. Um, and the thing I really liked too is last night they had a uh, they called it, it was, I forget what they called it's it called like the parking party at FedEx field in, in the parking lot. And it was just basically like a brand launch for the fans. Uh, and a lot of former players showed up like Alfred Morris was there. Um, Santana Moss was there. Uh, Pierre Garcon was there. And, and I think it, it carries a lot of weight when former Redskins greats are out there, regardless of whether they're, you know, a stooge for the team or not, whether they're being paid to do it or not, which I'm sure they are, but they're out there taking pictures with fans wearing commander's gear. And as a fan of those players, when they played for the Redskins, that makes me feel really good about the direction things are going. If, if former players who fans still recognize are, are out there kind of promoting the brand and, you know, taking pictures with fans and at least faking that, that, that they think this is cool. Yeah. I mean, it, you you said it right there at the end. Even if it's just for optics, it goes a long way when you have the people that you know the players that the fans look up to also endorsing or at least going along right now with the the, the rebrand. Um, and I, I want to point something out that this opinionated conversation we're having right now. It really shouldn't matter what I or anyone who is not a Washington Commanders fan think it really should only matter what the actual fans of the team the people who put their money into the team people who put their time into the team should only matter what they think if all of the washington fans hated it i think okay maybe it's time to go back to the drawing board but if you go on twitter and it's just other fans of other teams don't 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 listen to it. They're 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 gonna tear it. They're gonna tear it down no matter what it is, just for the sake of the memes on the internet. So we we we, sh- we should not, as non Redskin, non football team, non Commander fans, really should not be injecting our opinion into it all that much, other than just kind of what we're doing now, just for the sake of conversation. Yeah, are Stephen A. Smith looking at you? Uh... <laughs> Like, like right. his opinion matters, <laughs> but he definitely, yeah. chi- he, he, you're, you're exa- he's exactly the kind of person you're talking about. Like these people on the internet who chime in on things that and they don't really pay attention to, but they do it because they know they're going to get clicks. Like I love yeah. Stephen A. Smith's anti-Cowboys videos, but like they're dumb. They're dumb as hell. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, th- I think Stephen A. Smith has just really moved into the general category of dumb, but uh, especially, especially when you're talking about something like this, like it has no effect on anything in reality. In, in reality, this doesn't change. I, you know, what's going to happen on the field? They, they most likely going to look exactly the same whether they were wearing the throwback '80s Redskins uniforms or the brand new home or uh, alternate jerseys today. You know, it, it, it doesn't change anything. Other and, and than this just the optics. 
And this is something I tried to remember through this last two, three years with this whole name, Odyssey. Like, I'm still watching the games at one o'clock at, you know, on TV at FedEx Field. You know, they're still coming out of the same tunnel. They're running the same playbook. They're, you know, it's, it's the, a lot of the same fans are in the stands. It's the same experience. It's just that the name is different. And I got to tell you, between 2019, the last year as the Redskins, and 2020, the last year as the football, or the first year as the football team, I didn't feel a lot of difference as a fan just watching the game uh, with the name being different. Uh, And and I I don't anticipate that this time either. It's still going to be the same, you know, football watching experience. And I think a lot of fans kind of lost sight of that through this whole rebrand is that what are we really doing here? We're watching 22 guys on a football field try to win the game. And and that's why I got into this in the first place. And that's why I'm still into it. You know, like we could play horribly, but if we win the game, it doesn't matter. We could play the greatest game of our lives, but if we lose the game, it doesn't matter. I'm still upset. So it, it goes from like, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, we're not watching football. We're watching the Redskins. And I'm sure for you, it was like, we're not watching football. We're watching the Vols. And it, it, it still feels that same way. Like I'm watching my football team, even though they have a different name. So like, to me, that's not going to change. And I don't think it should change for, for the majority of the fans either. Yeah. And regardless of what they rebranded as, they're always going to be the Redskins to me, you know, and I, I don't mean that. in what I'm sure some people will take as like a hateful or racist or whatever way, like, I don't, I don't mean it that way. It's just, they were the Redskins when I was born. That's what they were been referred to up until the last three years. Um, it, and it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You can call them the Redskins. You can call them the football team. You can call them the Commanders. The same guys are going to be walking out on the FedEx field, regardless. It, it it has no bearing. Just like how these guys jump from team to team, the fucking mascot, the the, the team <laughs> name does not matter at all. Yeah, and part of the reason I liked rooting for the Washington football team is that it it made me think that I was rooting for the players. You know, I was actually rooting for the guys on the field, the team itself, as opposed to a brand. So Commanders kind of erases that. But, you know, I'm still open to it. I'm still kind of looking forward to next season, even though it's far away, um, as far away as it can possibly be. Uh, But, but yeah, it's it's, – go ahead. The the, – Uh, and it was one of the first things I thought of. The commies jokes are going to be difficult because of I'm course. interested. I'm interested in the uh, in the the new chants that have to come out to make, <laughs> to make commanders work without actually having to abbreviate it into commies or something like that. Because <laughs> the, the 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 syllables in commanders doesn't fit with a lot of you know just general crowd chants. So I'm interested to see the creativity in DC this upcoming season. Yeah, and that's a that's like a whole world is open there with the you know open to interpretation. What what kind of signs do fans make? Uh, you know, are we going to have fans that dress crazy? Like I saw somebody dressed like the the, the Mandalorian, and he called himself the the Commandalorian. Yeah, so so that was that was cool. Um, so <laughs> that's awesome. so that's that's another like part of this that like is totally like on the table. You know, like the fan base. You could kind of cultivate a whole new signature fan base uh, with this mascot. So. Washington Commanders starting play next year. I'm I'm about I'm feeling about as positive as I can about it without them being you know the Redskins because that's still like you said always going to be the Redskins to me. Of course I feel that you know tenfold. Um, yeah, I, there's still sure. all kinds of games on YouTube that I can watch and 
kind of go back to when they were. But, uh, you know, I like what we've done. Uh, I like a little bit of what we did uh, as the football team. Um, like I like the roster we've built. I mean, touching on the players on the field real quick. I mean, Terry McLaurin, uh, Jonathan Allen, Antonio Gibson. Um, this, this team's got a, got a good core of young players, I think. And they're going to have to do a lot of things right if they're going to be successful. But you know, so far, I think at least looking at the roster in a vacuum, it's, it's set up for, for success if they draft well and sign free agents well. Yeah, and you've got a real good chance to have a nice foundation for you know the the relaunch of of the the brand, so to speak. Um, especially, it, you know, it, there are some teams we've talked about it in the past that you just have kind of an association with how they play football based on their name, even though it really has nothing to do with their name. But you think defense when you think of you know the Bears and the Steelers. I think with a rebrand, you almost have a chance to reestablish some, an identity as a as a franchise. Um, and I, I think that's something that Washington has been missing a little bit is an identity one way or the other in their franchise. And the defensive line that you guys have built, you know, the front front seven even is I, I think really cool because they're most of them are all young and there's a real chance to establish a defensive identity with the Washington Commanders brand now. And one of them will be young even when he's in his 90s. Yeah, you, you, you'll have to chase him out of town. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look at the Rams. I look at what the Rams have done, and that's a lot of what Washington has, has tried to do, building, you know, kind of defense first. And, yeah. and you know, it's paid off for the Rams because they're a much better run organization than we are. But, you know, you, 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 have, that, you, you have that thought in the back of your mind. You're like, if, if things click, you know, we, we have this system that, that can work. So looking I, forward I'm, to uh, – I'm excited for it. Not not to not to cut you off, but you know, just so, someone who's outside. I can say that there are those of us who are looking forward to Washington being a, a winning franchise again. I think football's a lot more fun when the you know the. I think the NFC East is the best historical uh, division in football, and I just think it's better for everyone when those teams are all good at the same time. So I, I, I want to see the Giants back. I want to see the, the commanders, you know, c- come back out and re- reestablish some of that early 2000s, late 90s, you know, Redskins that we all know, the Cooley, Ma- Moss, Portis, those, those years. Um, it's, it's, better, it's better for football. It's so much more fun to watch because there's so many Washington fans, you know, that they, they, they make the sport better when they're happy. They make it funnier when they're not, but they make it better when they're happy. Our fan base is much wider than it is deep. You know, DC is a transient yes. market. And if you've watched our games against the Panthers on the road, against the Falcons on the road, against the Raiders on the road, we showed out in those stadiums. And we show up in Dallas every year. So there are there are Washington fans all over the country. And if they are able to, to have success in the first few years as the commanders, if they can nail down a stadium deal in the District of Columbia, th- this franchise, you know, whatever happens with Dan Snyder, Everyone's kind of hoping he gets his ass out the door because of this Congress stuff. And if that happens, holy shit, like this, this could have the opportunity to be a literally a completely new franchise and have a new identity. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, I, I think there's good things on the horizon. Um, if, if you can just get inside your organization all on the same page and just block out all the noise for like a year or two, um, and just don't worry about what's happening on social media. Like you said, an, an owner 
uh, change would be fantastic. Um, but who, who, who knows if that happens? I, I, I think I think he is distancing himself somewhat and maybe relinquishing a little bit of control. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't follow that stuff every day, but just from an outsider's view, it looks like Dan Snyder is backing up just a little bit, like a little bit like Jerry Jones has. Um, you don't see Jerry in the media every single day like you did when Jason Garrett was there. Um, so I, I think that that's going to do nothing but benefit the entire organization is him, like Homer Simpson, fading into the bushes and just <laughs> being back there, being the pocketbook and nothing else. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just too too much too much too many variables to really know what's going to happen with Snyder. Yeah, um, but we I think everyone kind of has the same opinion. Just just fuck that guy. We hope he disappears. Um, but write, write write checks and get out of here. Yeah, basically. So uh, you're listening to the right hash. Follow us on Twitter at the right hash. Drop us a message uh, if you want to hear us talk about something uh, you have a burning desire uh, to hear about. Do you have any burning questions for us? Want to put us in the grinder? Do that. Uh, Alex at 10 man Jones with a Z on the end myself at radio Nad Carney. And speaking of teams with owners that we uh, we'd like to see go away. Uh, you, you also have similar feelings, I think toward, uh, toward the Jacksonville Jaguars owner uh, who will remain nameless. The, you know, the, the shitty thing is I don't, I don't, I don't dislike the guy. I think he is just so far disconnected from football that, I mean, it's, the the problem with Shad is that he's a businessman. He has no idea what's going on with this football stuff. And it's not he, he he's not malicious with his ignorance. He's just he's just really, really ignorant. Um he's a nice enough guy, but he bought the Jaguars just because he can triple his money without having to do anything. You know, you don't have to win to be profitable in the NFL as an owner. And that's that that's what he's done. He has he has profited every year, whether they ha- go to the AFC Championship game or they have the number one overall pick. He he makes money either way. Um, it, I I I like him somewhat, a, a, a lot a lot lot less in the last three months. I'll just tell you that. Um, but I, it, it's hard not to like the guy because I do think he wants to build up Jacksonville. But the other side of it is. We all know that he's only here for the money. Like there, there, there is no intrinsic value to him in this organization. He, he really doesn't care about it, if that makes sense, outside of an investment. Like he cares about it from that perspective, but he, he doesn't know football. And his, I don't, I don't, I don't know what pictures or dirt Trent Balky has on him, but. Trent Baalke is doing something right. He is probably the least successful GM I have ever seen grace a front office. And I he's done it in two front offices. And somehow, somehow, will, will not go away. I, I don't understand what is happening there. Um, it, it, it has forced the Jaguars to make a suboptimal hire. Although I, I, I don't hate the hire. We'll talk about that in a second. It's it's definitely a suboptimal hire considering what we could have had with Byron and Adrian Wilson. Um, I think getting Spielman in the building and above Trent Balky will 
smooth out a lot of the issues in the front office because Balky is just he's just terrible at his job. Um, and that's not even a personal thing. It's just look at the numbers. Look at his last three years in San Francisco. Look at his years here. Absolutely awful. Um, they started the the higher the, the search forty days ago with Doug Peterson interview. Go through the entire process with like six other candidates in the middle, and then still land on Doug Peterson. Forty days later, I don't I don't understand it. That there is no conventional wisdom. It was an absolute farce. It was a joke on social media. We could could have had the prodigal son and one of the fastest rising coordinator to head coach candidates in Byron Leftwich. It it made so much sense, especially with all the Rooney Rule stuff going around. You know, it would have been great to have the the only in the history of the sport minority owner, GM, and head coach. It would have just been a great PR move in that perspective as well. Not that you only do it for that. Byron and Adrian Wilson are both very, very qualified. Um, I, 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 I just don't understand. It's like when you see a guy get a breakaway and there's no one in front of him, and he doesn't even go up to dunk it, but he still misses the layup. It, 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 it blows my mind how we wound up here, and then still somehow, against all odds, made a very, very competent hire. I can't, I can't argue against it especially if we bring Rick Spielman in to be our executive vice president, you know, and, and be a decision-making body instead of Trent Baalke. It, it could work out just fine. I mean, your, your coach has a Super Bowl ring, which he won with Nick Foles. I, that counts for something. I mean, right? He has two. Not, he has one as a head coach, but he has two Super Bowl rings. Yeah, he, true. He's won, he's won that thing twice as yep. in, in a coaching perspective. So, like I said – I. If we would have hired Doug Peterson 40 days ago, I would have been probably over the moon. He was my second choice behind Byron. I would have been fine. But the fact that we got Byron dangled in front of us and on the Tampa Bay side, the Arizona side, and the Jacksonville side, everyone reported that there was a deal in place until at the table he said that he did not want to work with Trent Baalke. And Shad chose Trent Baalke over the future of the franchise and – more importantly, the future of Trevor Lawrence. Although I think Doug Peterson is going to do a fine job with him. I think Byron would have done a better job with him. Um, and that, that's the important thing to take away from me, from this. I think Doug Peterson and whoever he brings in is going to be all, already the, the best tire, the best coach in this franchise's history. I don't think that there's going to be a question about that, in my opinion. Um, but it could have it could have been better. That's the problem. And that's always been the Jaguars. It could have been better. We had Blake Bortles. He was fine. It could have been better. Um, just it, it, just a frustrating seven weeks uh, since Urban Meyer had been relieved of his duties. And it, go ahead. Um, I was just I wanted to go back to that first point you made about Shad Khan kind of having the Jaguars as a secondary asset. Because that's not normal for most NFL owners. Most NFL owners, the team is their main asset. Like, think about like like Jeff Lurie in Philadelphia. Like that dude is a full on fan of the team that he owns. Like he lives and dies with every game that team plays. Like, th- th- it's so weird to see an owner just treat an NFL team, which is like NFL is the king of everything here in America, just treat it kind of like a little little side side project. And, and that's you know that's 
really the biggest reason why the Jaguars are where they are right now. But it's so different looking at it, – it's almost like how other owners, like, treat NBA or NHL teams sometimes. Like, just like a little side piece in their empire. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, not not growing up here and – I don't know. I don't know why he didn't just buy a Bundesliga team. You know, he's born in Germany, um, a, a little bit more from that area. He really likes uh, England. You know, we, we've been the team that plays in London that ha- has had the rumors for five, ten years. Really, since Shad has taken over the team ten years ago, we've all, we just had the constant rumors of okay, are we moving to London? Are we going to play in Wembley? Um, it, it it's been very apparent since he took over that. This, if if he could choose everything about everything, this team would be in London, and that's what really scared me with this with this search. Is it felt more and more like he was just trying to spite the fans, maybe to disconnect the fans, so that he didn't feel bad, or maybe was pushed to move this team to London. Um, and I'm going to be honest, if 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 they didn't make a good hire here with Doug Peterson. There may have been some of that, you know, if if they hired Ritz Basaccia, the special teams coach from the Raiders, as the head coach here, which once Byron pulled his name out, Ritz Basaccia was number two behind Doug Peterson. If he's hired, I I I think that the the local Jacksonville community would have urged Shad to take the Jacksonville Jaguars to London. Um because it was it was going that way. And I don't mean to spend a whole whole lot of time on this Jaguars coaching search because it's been far too long already. But at the end of the day, and t- today today is Saturday, uh, February 5th, um, Doug Peterson is set to be announced as the Jaguars head coach today as of, you know, as of this recording. Noon today, supposedly going to have the press conference with Chad and Trent Balky up there. So I'm really interested to see if the Jacksonville local media has any balls and just can go straight in on Trent Balky, ask some really good questions. Hopefully we get some some good candid uh, clips from them. But after sleeping on it, I'm totally okay with the hire. There were much, much, much worse things that could have happened. This was, in my opinion, a top three outcome. Byron, Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, I think all would have been for uh, – been positive for the culture in the locker room in, J- in Jacksonville, which I think right now is more important than anything else. We need a guy who can just build up a a, a responsible culture. You know, what we, we haven't had good culture since we hired Tom Coughlin as the executive vice president and GM or whatever his role was technically. Um, it is just, it, it has been discontent within the locker room in Jacksonville. Um, you heard Jalen Ramsey cited as why he left and a whole bunch of players have, and we just need someone to come in and flip that script. We need to make it a destination for free agents. We have a ton of money, no state income tax. Um, I, you know, ideally the highest rated quarterback prospect still on the NFL, you know, you, you'd like to think that that's still the case. Um, so there, there's a lot to be excited with in Jacksonville. If we can just get, the front office fixed. That's the most frustrating thing is it's not even the players or the on-field performance. that's even the worst. It's just knowing that the adults in the room are dumb. 
And I think we're maybe changing that. That remains to be seen. Trent Balky is still going to be in the building, hopefully not for more than a year. But once he is out, I think we can actually start to make progress. And that's all I'm going to say about the Jaguars. Yeah, but before we move on to other teams' coaching coaching searches, Jacksonville shouldn't have to be a place where you sell people on. You should just look at Jacksonville and be like, hey, that's somewhere where I want to play or I want to live. Because, you know, it's it's warm. There's beaches. It's a football-crazed area. You know, if you played in the SEC, you already yep. are – more or less sort of familiar with with that part of the country. It's not like Minneapolis or Seattle where you have to kind of sometimes convince somebody from certain parts of the country to come play there. But but you know Jacksonville, it's already sort of a an attractive destination to live and work and raise a family already, you know. Yeah, that's 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 the idea um at least uh and, and, and I, then, disclaimer, I've never actually been to Jacksonville. It just it just seems like the kind of place that you shouldn't have to to sell somebody to come live. No, it's 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 beautiful. It's not as beachy as Miami, but they have a little bit more like I I I guess lake and river type of uh scenery, especially in the city. There's a lot of like riverbank type of scenery there. Um it's absolutely absolutely beautiful. Of course, you know, with any big city, there are places that don't they're they're not as pretty they're a little bit run down and kind of forgotten about by the by the town but by and large my experience in jacksonville was you know had, was fantastic i thought it was a a great place um so i i think you're right it should the state of florida just kind of as as an as an adult as much as i dislike the florida gators and a lot of stuff in the state it's it's a great place to to grow up as long as you're not in gainesville like in in the swamp area <laughs> Like as long as you're in a roughly r- regular area, Tampa, you know the Tallahassee, the, the the state has got a lot going for it, and uh, no state income tax gives you a huge leg up when you're talking up with free agents because that's just a little bit more money back in their pocket and a little bit more money back in your pocket, um, and we we have the most money available this off season, so I'm hoping Doug Peterson can get a jump on this and that there's a lot of free agents that the Jags could use at the wide receiver position. Um, really, really need to land someone there. That's got to be a, that that's, that's a must. And that, that to me is Doug Peterson's first job is start talking to free agents. Go, go get us some, some guys that will be immediate upgrades to this roster. And that's pretty much anyone at this point. So go get anyone. <laughs> Go get Eddie. That's a great slogan for, for an offseason. <laughs> Last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, Nathaniel Hackett and Matt Eberflus. Um, Hackett to the Broncos, Eberflus to the Chicago Bears, kicking off the coaching carousel. Um, one, one hire that has not been made official yet, but it's going to after the Super Bowl that I'm really intrigued by, and it's mainly because this guy was on Washington's coaching staff, uh, Kevin O'Connell to the Vikings. Uh, he did. I can't remember if he overlapped with Kirk Cousins or not. Uh, but he was somebody on Jay Gruden's staff that we wanted to keep around uh, when turning over the staff uh, after 2019. Didn't end up happening. He goes to the Rams uh, as the offensive coordinator. Now the Vikings want to hire him as their head coach. Uh, O'Connell, a former backup quarterback uh, to Tom Brady, uh, as a yep. matter of fact. Um, 
But this is a, this is a really, really interesting hire to me because it, you go from Mike Zimmer, a defensive-minded coach, conservative coach, doesn't really take a lot of risks, to an offensive-minded guy who coached under Sean McVay. To, and you, you're going to put him, assuming that Kirk Cousins doesn't go anywhere, which I don't think he is, uh, you're going to put him with a quarterback who loves to sling the ball all over the field. Yeah, and the other, the other plus for Kevin O'Connell is, you know, Kirk's years are numbered in Minnesota. Um, you're definitely looking at either this class or next class taking your ideal quarterback of the future. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Matt Corral and Malik Willis and this class for them. And having a guy like Kevin O'Connell to develop your quarterback is going to be imperative. You You have a top three young receiver. You have a top, I would say, five, seven uh, you top two running back when he's healthy. Um, I think that entire running back room is nice. Um, the 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 problem you have with the Vikings is I just I'm not a fan of how they've built their defense or kind of let it fade with Anthony Barr moving on to the 49ers and s- several other uh, pieces of attrition happening on that defense. Hire, hiring an offensive guy does make sense given what they have now. I'm really interested to see what his defensive coordinator choice is because I think that's going to matter a lot. Um, I, I'm interested to see it. I think the Vikings messed up not getting Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh was a slam dunk that they also missed. Uh, of course, Kevin O'Connell is nice, but I don't know how much play calling he's been doing. I'm pretty sure McVay does all the play calling for the Rams. Um, it's not like he's developed a quarterback. They had Matt Stafford. I, I guess you could say he developed Jared Goff, but eh. Um, so I, 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 I like the hire. I think it's a good one. Um, he, he's, he's very well respected. Um, I personally would have taken like a, a Kellen Moore over him just because Kellen Moore at least has been calling plays. Uh, so I, 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 I'm, I'm not as bullish on the the signing maybe as some people are just because a i think harbaugh should have been the guy and they should have thrown the checkbook at him i think that was you know to 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 borrow a celebrity jeopardy term automatic points i i think you could not have messed up with harbaugh um this is a good second fiddle I, i guess choice but i i would have kept zimmer over Kevin O'Connell personally, so I I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm a little wishy-washy on the Vikings. Fun note though, Kevin O'Connell, born in Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't know how he didn't wind up going to UT, but <laughs> born in Knoxville. Well, I mean, some people sometimes you just want to get out, and I can say as someone who was born and raised in a yeah. college town, you know, UVA was the last place I wanted to go to school. So I, I mean, he went to San Diego State, so oh, def- wow. definitely a different vibe there than Knoxville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming out, go, and, and talk about the weather, man. He's going to be going from Southern California weather to, to Minnesota. Thank God the Vikings play indoors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the nice thing for him is the Vikings owner has no problem, you know, opening his wallet and spending his money, which is always nice to have. Um, so I – you know, it, it it's a good hire. I just don't think it was the best hire for them. Um, but t- time will tell there. If, if he if he can develop quarterbacks, that's good enough. If, if yeah, for sure. Call call plays and develop quarterbacks. You can be a head coach anywhere. Just hire the right defensive coordinator. You're fine. 
Yeah, a couple other hires that have been made since we last talked. The Giants bringing in Brian Dable, which only made sense because they hired the assistant GM from Buffalo as well, Joe Shane. Um, yep. I, I don't have a ton of thoughts here. Uh, you kind of know how I feel about the Giants. I hate them. I think Daniel Jones is a scrub, and it makes me laugh hysterically that they think they can do with Daniel Jones what Dable did with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Um, so, so there's that one. Uh, the one I'm, I'm a little more... Uh, I've done a little bit more reading on is uh, Josh McDaniels to the Raiders, which I got to tell you, I don't understand this hire at all. This guy's had his chances. He had a chance in Denver and he flopped. And I feel like the only reason he got this job was his association with Belichick. That's the only reason he's gotten any job in his, since he was on the Patriots, that's the only reason he's gotten any job is he's pointed to Super Bowl rings. He's pointed to Tom Brady. He's pointed to Bill Belichick. He hasn't pointed to anything that he's actually done, and it's because there's not much. Um, I it, it's it, it's one of those like flashy hires still because every I feel like if you just pay attention to football and have watched it pretty intently for the last ten or so years, you all know who Josh McDaniels is, and you know the 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 gravitas his name brings because of everything I just mentioned, but. I, I agree, Luke. This is it's a little bit of a head scratcher. There were be- much better ways to go, especially considering the state of the franchise. Like I feel like they have a little bit more of a win now mentality than some of these other teams that are hiring head coaches. Like I feel like there's a that lo- they're probably them and the Vikings are the best teams that were hiring coaches. Like they were actually good rosters. Uh, I mean, the Raiders are a playoff team, so it. You have really nowhere to go but down, and I think Josh McDaniels is set up to fail there. Um, I, I just, I, I think it's a, it's a weird decision, especially considering they also started. They're the ones who started the Harbaugh shit. Is is the Raiders? They're the ones who started it all, who got him back into the, throw his name back into the ring, and they still didn't go with him. I don't understand not going with Jim Harbaugh. That guy is just guaranteed to be successful. And you're already a playoff team. And you're in that division that you need a difference maker at head coach. And you did not get it. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh actually didn't even get an offer from the Vikings now that I think about it. He flew back he to not. Ann Arbor with, with no offer uh, given. So that made his decision a little bit easier to stay at Michigan. The, the thing I'm thinking here is they, they must just be desperate to hold on to Derek Carr. Because this is a quarterback's coach, basically being a head coach. I feel like they almost let Derek Carr there. They held out a list of candidates and were like, Derek, who do you want? I think that, that just kind of seems like the kind of owner that Mark Davis is. Yeah, but Harbaugh's more of that than Josh McDaniels is. For sure. I, I agree with you there. But maybe, I, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. They, maybe they just didn't, like, like, like you said earlier, they just didn't want to open up the checkbook, which certainly would have been required for, for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I just, you know. I- I've just seen so much happening with the players there. Um, you know, you have the Henry Rugg stuff. Now you have the Nate Hobbs stuff that's come out. Um, and that there's undoubtedly just going to be other issues going through Las Vegas. And I feel like as a leader of men and just kind of uh, a guiding light and a, a father figure, so to speak, for some of the young guys who had to come and then play in Vegas with all of the the distractions and, you know, um, uh, lusts and everything that are in that city. 
I feel like I would much rather have Harbaugh leading my guys than Josh McDaniels, who looks like he could get in trouble going to Vegas himself. I was literally um, just gonna say, like, you need to watch McDaniels himself. Yeah, for, for, you know? for real. Like, I mean, why not? Why not just hang? You know. Hire Lane Kiffin and you know skid right into it. You know, <laughs> bring bring him back and set him loose on the strip. Uh, I, it just, I I I don't know, man. Maybe I'm being overly critical because of the history of Josh McDaniels and the 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 documented failure as a, a head man, so to speak. Um, maybe it works. They they have a decent roster in 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 Las Vegas. Uh, obviously they're. They're relatively set at quarterback. Derek Carr is not a top echelon quarterback, but he's also not even close to a reason why they've been losing games or lost in the playoffs. Um, so it's just a really fuzzy situation to try to analyze because there's so much going on there. Yeah, and it, it almost sucks. It, it sucks that it's the end of the season because, like, when these hires happen, you want to go just see how they work out, like, immediately. And you yeah. know that that's not – like, you know, they have to go through mini camp, training camp, draft, yada, yada, yada. I probably had all that out of order. But but you have to, like – there's that the off the full off-season buildup, and then then you finally, in September, you get to see how, how it all plays out. And and the Raiders are a team that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, on for that reason. You know, I, I really – even just here talking on this show, it's kind of like we're proclaiming that we think Josh Dan- McDaniels is not going to work out. So I'm going to kind of hold, hold us to that here on the right hash. Uh, so future Luke and Alex in September, pay attention to the what the Raiders are doing actually on offense. <laughs> Absolutely. And we've still got, you know, all we've just talked about, we still have more openings to fill. We have the, the Dolphins that need a new coach. The Texans need a coach. And I believe the, the Saints. Saints- yeah. Need a coach. Saints are. Um, I, I uh, talk show here in the triad yesterday was talking about how they think Brian Flores is a good candidate for the Saints. I I think Brian Brian Flores is a good candidate. Period. If he, uh, yeah, you know, I I I I don't know how teams feel about hiring him right now, uh, considering he is not afraid to go to the media with dirty laundry. Um, I'd be a little bit hesitant <laughs> to hire him just because of that. Uh, but it's it's not to say that him going to the media isn't warranted. I'll I'll put that out there as well. We'll we'll find out in the coming days, um, coming months if it is. But I would love to, uh, you know, I, I think he would be a great fit for the Texans uh, personally. Um, Deshaun's already there too, so um, I don't I don't know if they keep Deshaun Watson, but you could hire Brian Flores, who I know is a very big Deshaun Watson fan. Wanted him in Miami. Um, so, well, it's it's just amazing. Nine openings out of thirty-two teams this year. Yeah, Insane. and talk about a team. Insane. Talk about a team that needs a shot in the arm. The, the Texans, man, that that franchise is treading water right now. Well, all the that, all the crazy stuff that's been happening there. The whole division is just a mess, man. Even the Titans, who uh, you get the one seed and they just bounce in the first round, or I guess your second round or your first round, round number two overall. Yeah, um, the, the the Colts doing what the Colts do, choking to the Jags in the last week of the season, not going to the playoffs. And now, and now we have Wentz and Peterson in the same division. Let's go. And Frank Reich. <laughs> yep. It's 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 a Philadelphia Super Bowl reunion. If we could just get Nick Foles on a roster, the whole AFC South would be that team. <laughs> um, yeah. 
it, it, it should it should make for some interesting football. I don't I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say it's gonna be good football, but I think it could be interesting football in the AFC South because there's so many Jekyll and Hyde teams in that division, you have no idea what's gonna happen any given Sunday between them. Um it, interested to see how the rest of the Texans offseason goes. Do they stick with Mills? Do they try to find a little bit more of a more prominent quarterback? I thought Mills did really good. You know, kind of accidentally stepping into the spotlight for the Texans this year. He actually had some really, really good stats. Um, so maybe they roll with him for a year. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I guess we'll see what happens when they hire a coach. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see why not. Why they wouldn't just you know at least have him out there on opening day. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain they'll draft somebody, uh, but maybe not in the first round. Uh, but he's, he, he's at least in like that Heineke area where I think yeah. you at least give him a shot or two. He's looked good enough to earn it. Yeah. Like he, his give, like he, his give a damn is, is way up there. Like Taylor Heineke, what he lacks in, you know, skill and experience when he makes up for it in give a damn. Yeah. I've heard exactly. that kind of turn that into a noun. My, my high school tennis coach used to use that as a noun. He's like, your, your give a damn needs to be high. And I've, I've kind of extrapolated that, but that, that was Taylor Heineke's biggest strength is that he was always, he was always programmed to be like, I'm the best player on the field. Even if I'm not like, I'm, I'm, I, I always have a chance to win, even if we don't. And your roster feeds off that. No matter if your quarterback yeah. is Tom Brady or uh, Kevin O'Connell, um, your, your, your team feeds off of the intensity and grit that your quarterback has. Look at Cincinnati. Their roster is meh aggressively meh and Joe Burrow and just him the way he is literally has him in the Super Bowl. Joe Shiesty, man. It's, that's it's all you just, need to, all you need to say, Joe Shiesty. Joe Shiesty, man. He's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love the, the Joe Burrow dancing videos, man. The, the guy is just. I, he's I, he's I, living I, his best life. He's living his I, best life. <laughs> he, he, he is just doing what all of us tell ourselves we would do if we made it to the NFL. Like, that that he's being what we all said we would be just calm cool enjoy it you know uh it's kind of stone faced uh j joking around kind of i mean he's just he, it's just kind of perfect he he does it better than a lot of folks maybe anyone as far as just having a natural swag the guy just has yeah. a natural swag yeah man he's got it this is what they say in sports yes. he's got it it yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, Whatever before it we, is. Before we before we go to our quick hitters here on the right hash, and, and this is a this is a quick hitter of sorts itself, and just because we said we'd we'd bring it up, Dave Doran is he a candidate for any of these three jobs? Oh, I no, say this with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he is getting a contract uh, extension and a raise from North Carolina State. Uh, they are working on it this week. Going to put oh, him man. in the more of this. <laughs> going to put him in the five million dollars a year range because he had an amazing season, not even making it to the ACC title game in a year where no one was good. Um, we were yes, we're at the point. We are we are at him. the point now. We are at the point now where Dave Doran is the second highest or second longest tenured ACC football coach behind Dabo Swinney. Did you know that? Yes, uh, he's been he's been at NC State for a decade. This is crazy, man. I remember his first season was my senior year, and, and like me and you know me, I was when I lived with Nasser, and me and Nasser would just kill on this guy, man. We hated him, and we were two and ten our first year, 
And, and our last game as students was a 42 to 14 loss to East Carolina at home. Fucking East Carolina, man. And we were just like, boy, this Doran guy really sucks. And 10 years later, the man is still there. And he's, he still kind of <laughs> sucks. Like, <Yeah. laughs> uh, I mean, so he, he, here's the thing. Uh, many of you will look out and, and, and look at NC State. I've seen some publications have them as high as seven in the preseason rankings. I've seen them top 10 in several, uh, definitely top 15 in basically every publication that's put out. But I, I just, I don't understand what they're looking at because they, they, they played okay. You know, they played, they played well, especially considering the, the injuries they had on defense really early in the season. Like, my, my, my hat's off to the job that they did keeping that together. But the ACC was booty cheeks last year. There was not a good team in the conference. Not, not one as far as grand stage. You know, th- there was not an upper echelon team in that conference anywhere to be seen last year. Nope. And, Nobody in the top and, 10 for the BCS or the CFB. And I, the, the, the second, like you said, the second longest tenured coach in the ACC could not even make it to, to the title game in what I think and, and couldn't do it. It's not like they had to fight off the old, you know, Big East Miami, Big East Virginia Tech, the old Florida State. Like, none of those teams were good. You didn't have a, a Georgia Tech coming out of nowhere, a strong Duke team. The only thing in that division was Pitt and Wake Forest. And really, that's only because there was just no one else. Someone had to win it. And it sure as hell wasn't going to be NC State. I don't understand the infatuation the athletic department has with this guy. And just mediocrity in general. Uh, I could do a hot box on that on a whole different day. But it, it's you, – you can't fire him, right? He's doing yeah, he too can. well to get fired. But I, th- this ad nauseum extension and uh, raise bullshit that they do with him every year or two is frustrating. I'm happy they're doing it because he was almost my head coach. He was almost the Tennessee Volunteers head coach when we were hiring for Butch Jones' replacement. So – in, in a way, I'm thankful NC State has no standards and wants to keep that guy around. But as, as someone who has NC State as my second team, and I care about them from a football perspective, it's it's frustrating because I know the administration only cares about upper-level mediocrity, and that's all Dave Duran is. Um, he's b- built the program fairly well. Like I feel like there's a reasonable floor. You know, They're not losing to Boston College every year. That's nice, but... He also really doesn't beat good teams. We don't have – we haven't had a Carter-Finley magic moment, I feel like, in the last half half a decade. Um, and that's, that, that, that's, that's supposed to be the fun part of being a State fan is you know you're going to go 7-5, and five, but you know you're going to have, you know, one of those fat guy hanging on the post, shirt <laughs> around moments during the year to live off of. That's what keeps State fans going is that moment every single year. And we just haven't had that, and I'm I'm kind of tired of it, honestly. Yeah, cl- closest thing is probably the UNC game from last year, coming back from two, 10 points down to 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 win, or not was it nine? It d- doesn't matter. That that's probably what saved Doran. Uh, but yeah, I'm generally in agreement with that. Like, I feel like we've done what we can do with him. 
Uh, but the, the other important thing is NC State might be looking for a basketball coach too, a men's basketball coach uh, this this offseason also. So they might not want to be doing both. Because uh, Kevin Keats and Kevin Keats just got the the dreaded vote of confidence from Boo Corrigan yesterday. So uh, it, it, I, I don't. I also don't think they will end up doing it. But it, it's one of those things that makes people think a little bit. And you know, I, I believe I talked about it last week, but just. Uh, again, and it, it's going to lead into what you're going to talk about here in just a second, Luke. But uh, again, with with Kevin Keats, there was a perfect time. Even now, still a good time to get a seat at the table in the triangle and get a serious head coaching uh, prospect or a, just a serious head coach on your team while Hubert Davis is still finding his fit, footing. Um, and, you know. This is Coach K's last ride. They're going to have someone new there next year. I believe it's Greg Shire. I don't know if they've made that official or not. I believe yeah, John, it, it will be. It will be John Shire, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah John Shire. I'm Greg. Greg um, Paulus, John Shire. They all fuck them all. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 the same, they're the same face. Um, <laughs> but it, you, you have a real chance to come back to the table in the triangle basketball <laughs> race, and you're going to waste it with a guy who has had five years and done nothing with it. Um, I, I don't think they're going to make a move. They, they don't they don't need to. No one is pressuring them to. And that's that's their administration. As long as nothing is on fire, we're not paying attention to it. Um, so yep. we're going to be stuck with Kevin Keats for the next 15 years because, because you know, <laughs> right. I, don't understand, I don't understand why this guy gets a longer lease than Sidney Lowe did. No, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, the team is maybe slightly better than they were under Lowe, but. But yeah, I, I what Lo, Lo, Lo brought better players he in. He did. He brought better players in. I, they haven't yeah, had but, a CJ Leslie or a, a TJ. Well, I don't know if TJ Warren was a lower. No, he was not. But they haven't had a CJ Leslie or a Lorenzo Brown. You're right. Yeah, that 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 they haven't. You know, and just call a spade a spade. Sidney Lowe should have gotten more of a benefit of the doubt than Kevin Keats is. Yeah, yeah, di- different administration back then too. Uh, you know, different. Uh, Different yep. philosophies up at the top. Um, we've got a few minutes left here on the right hash, and you did bring it up. It is Duke Carolina weekend here uh, here in the state of North Carolina. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the game itself, um, but just it's just it's one of those things that even if you're not associated with one of the schools like you and I are not, you still kind of get caught up in it if you're a fan of sports, especially college basketball. Um, I was listening to a show yesterday, and they talked about the Austin Rivers game. Uh, that he yeah, had man. that three, and I was in a dorm at State with uh, one of our friends who was a Duke fan. Uh, growing up, he was he was still rooting for Duke, and obviously, all of us hated Carolina. So when that shot hit, like all eight of us just like went nuts, and like we're all like Duke fans for five minutes. Um, and you know, they, these students have played some great games, and and it really will be kind of cathartic to see Coach K walk out of there for the last time. Yeah, Luke. Uh, you know, and for what I've been listening to on the radio locally. Um, they've been talking about, you know, Coach K having kind of like this this Chipper Jones thing where every place that he's gone for his last visit, they've given him some sort of like appreciation gift for what he's done for the for the sport. Um, in in true rivalry fashion, Carolina is not doing that, and I I love it. But um, fun fact, Coach K was actually the opponent for the very first game in the Dean Dome uh, back in 1986. That was his first game. Um, and it was also the Dean Dome's first game. So I, I, w- I heard, heard that little history lesson on the radio here uh, locally, and I thought that was, that was really cool. He got, a, he got a technical foul in that game too, and he's got a post-game conference talking about it. 
Um, so it, if you feel like going into the 99.9, the fan uh, WRAL archives, I think they have it up there. Um, a, a really cool listen, but it's, it's going to, basketball is going to look weird in the triangle next year. Um, going to have none of the usual suspects that, you know, for, for my money, as much as I hate both of the teams, Duke Carolina is the best rivalry in this sport. And I don't think there's a close second. Um, it is the, the rivalry, everyone, no matter who you pull for, no matter if you have a dog in the fight, or even if you care, you turn it on. Um, because mm-hmm. it's, it's Duke Carolina. They've played a hundred and something times and all their numbers are exactly the same. Basically somehow after 110 meetings, they both scored the same amount of points, won the same amount of games. I think that's changed the last two or three years, but by and large, it is like the definition of parity between two teams. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take a step back when coach K has gone. If I'm just being honest. Yeah, definitely. And you look at that rivalry, and, and there's also another rivalry this weekend. This game is is Sunday, uh, but you go over to the women's side. You've got UConn taking on Tennessee, and uh, you know UConn Tennessee was a premier women's basketball rivalry when Pat Summit was the coach at, at UT. I mean, it, it, it hasn't lost all of its luster because you know that man up at UConn is still there, who also will remain nameless. But uh, it, it, it's kind of cool having both of these games in the same the same weekend and each on their same day or each on their own day, I should say. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's nice to have UT and UConn again. Um, I think that there's, I don't even know if there's a close second rivalry in the sport to UT UConn. Um, It's not as relevant as it used to be, but there's a reason it's being televised on Fox. Uh, And it's because it is a, it's it's just a, a massive game in like the big sport. big Fox like the actual Fox yes yes oh like hell NFL yeah Fox. Awesome. yeah it awesome. is on national TV um and, and it's just because that's that's what UT UConn is whether or not it's been that for you know since 2007 I think is the last time it was played with both teams being exceptional exceptional um I, I I'm not sure this matchup is even that just how UT's coming into it and how UConn's coming into it. It's not exactly a top five matchup, um, but it's it's still an, it's going to be an amazing game, I think. Um, this one is in Hartford, Connecticut. This is going to be uh, a really tough noon game for the Lady Vols who have dropped the last two road games um, against Florida and Arkansas, respectively. Or uh, uh, not Arkansas. They beat Arkansas uh, two, two weeks ago. Um, anyway, ignore me. Um, but it's nice to get this rivalry back on track. This is now the third consecutive year that we've brought it back since the uh, the, the the grifting between uh, Gino and Pat Summit back towards the end of Pat's stint. Uh, you know, of course, Gino made some off-color comments about Pat and the Lady Vols program, and Pat decided to cut the uh, the ties there with the rivalry. And when Holly Warlick was there, decided to get it back going. She actually didn't get a chance to play in it. Kelly Harper in her first year was the first year we played UConn again. Um, good game last year. Uh, should be a really good game just because of the brand name and just just because of what this game means to the sport. I don't know if there's a game in any major sport that means as much to its own sport as UT-UConn. Um, so if you're out there Sunday noon, got nothing to do, or you're grilling, throw the UT-UConn women's game on on Fox. Uh, should be fun to watch. 
going to be way better than the Pro Bowl anyway. So <laughs> Right. Um, Which we didn't even get to this show because we just had better things to talk about. Is, is anyone watching that? I, I probably won't. I'll probably be watching basketball. Like the skills competition is the most fun part of Pro Bowl weekend to me. Agreed. I like to see the guys just kind of kind of hang out there. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm going to go watch the highlights of it. I believe it's already happened. Yeah. Um, well, they, they say the game is secondary, but I think the game is probably fourth or fifth or sixth to, to those players behind, you know, hanging out, taking their families on a trip, you know, doing well, the skills shit, competition. The sh- shitty thing about it is none of the Super Bowl players can be there. Like, what's right. the point? Exactly. Uh, the, 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 the two best teams – Players aren't included. So there. I don't, under- there, yeah. I don't understand. There's a little little mini hot box here at the end about the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> about the uselessness of the Pro Bowl. Yeah, moving it between the Super Bowl and the conference championships took took away, I think, what little luster it had. Um, and then moving it out of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. That was the other luster it had, was just watching these guys in Hawaii. Yeah, big sell. And it was a big selling point for the players, too. It's like, hey, let's take the wife and kids on a on a vacation to Hawaii in the middle of winter. You know, if you live in Detroit or Minneapolis or you know, Seattle, you're like, hey, hell yeah. Yeah, or just just your fans in general who are planning. I, I, I We have family friends that went to the Pro Bowl every year. That was like their their family vacation was just to go to the Pro Bowl and spend their time in Hawaii, walk over to the Pro Bowl um, when it happens. But, you know. It, it, that's what they based their vacation around was the Pro Bowl and going to Hawaii and seeing football in Hawaii. That would be so cool. And yeah, so no AFC no is it? It's AFC NFC again. Right? I remember they did like captains one year. Yeah, uh, yeah but it's, it's back AFC back versus back. NFC three o'clock Saturday or Sunday. I think it's on ABC and ESPN. If you care, lots of good college basketball this weekend. Alex, thanks a lot for joining me on this Saturday morning. We've gotten into the Saturday morning routine a little bit. I, I enjoy it before I, I go in and. Uh, work work my my weekend away producing college basketball games. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. It makes me feel at least somewhat productive on my weekends when I'm just sitting here. <laughs> not that you don't. Not that you don't already work 40 hours a week. Like, yeah, or more, yeah, or more but, than that. I don't know. <laughs> but it's it, it's nice to have somewhat of a purpose on the days that you know before you veg out and just watch sports all day. It's nice to feel like you've done something to deserve it. No doubt about it. Well, thanks y'all for joining us uh, on this episode of The Right Hash. We appreciate the listenership. We appreciate uh, Earl Sturdivant and Miles Speed as well. Speedy Customs, Slim Sweets. Uh, appreciate Zach Burhans helping us out on the introduction uh, as well. And uh, just, just always a pleasure when we, when we get to do this. Uh, unfortunately, we wish we could go forever. Unfortunately, we both have lives and, uh, and need to wrap this episode up. But uh, I'm glad, glad I got to talk about the Commanders, tying it all back. I'd, I'd been a little bit quiet about that, just trying to get all my thoughts together. Um, just, but, but glad this, is, this was always going to be kind of the, where, I, where I put all my thoughts together. So I'm glad we got a chance to, to do that. Yeah, and it, it was interesting to see how kind of actually close your and I opinion of it is. Yeah, you know, for, you for sure. I really think that, but it was, you know, it, it's, it's kind of neat knowing that two completely separate, not sides, but you're the internal, I'm the external. And we'll kind of see it the same way somehow. Well, if you've got any thoughts on the commanders, shoot us a message at the right hash on Twitter. Uh, if you've got a subject you'd like us to talk about next show, we're going to be doing a Super Bowl preview, of course. Uh, but we're open to uh, interpretation as well from our listeners. As I say every show, we are a show of the people. Alex, thanks a lot uh, for joining us. Go ahead and enjoy your, the rest of your weekend, which is actually just getting started uh, as, as we speak. Yes, it is. The right hash at gmail.com if you do not have Twitter. Um, 
hit us up in our inbox there. All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening. We will talk to you all next time and enjoy the sports this weekend. You have been listening to The Right Hash. I went to go and